glory sacramento hello and welcome to the 916 republic podcast i am your host zach winnick and i want to just take a quick second to plug our social media for you if you don't follow us on instagram the handle is 916 republic we are also on twitter uh scott is active on there and will argue for uh the the betterment of sam warner and his involvement in the club um but he is not no stanford snob are you scott no i am not well how are you doing today uh, you know, I'm pretty good. It's a little bit warmer than I want it to be. Yeah. However, we're almost into October, so the rain is going to come. Yeah. Um, I'm over all of these wild wildfires. I don't know if that's like politically correct to say, but um, <laughs> like, like people are like, the people lost their houses. Like, yeah, yeah I get it. Uh, we yeah. we had to get evacuated too. So, um, but yeah, there's another fire in Napa, and we live in Vacaville, so it's like there it is kind of close, and it's like oh, there's the smoke and the ash and the ash. So I'm over that, but you know. I'm doing good. You know, wife is doing good, still pregnant. So that's, you know, a win. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, life life is good. Yep, same here. Um, we are heading into the end of this USL season. But before we get into USL matters, well, actually, one quick thing, one quick USL thing. Scott, there was uh, something that happened between the Loyals and the Galaxy. Well, it was definitely newsworthy. Yeah, so, okay, we don't know all the details. We probably never yeah. will know all of True. the details. But this is what has been reported from the San Diego Loyal themselves, like their official you know, social media accounts and press, le- press releases and stuff like that. Apparently, during the game that was, I don't know the date, it was this past weekend, San Diego and LA Galaxy uh, were playing, and one of the LA Galaxy 2 players used a, I don't even think racial slur, I guess that's the right term. Yeah. Uh, it, a highly offensive racial comment or title Yeah. Uh, against one of the San Diego players. San Diego says that the official heard it, The uh, some LA Galaxy 2 players heard it, and some San Diego players heard it. Yeah. That, that's what they say. Um, and a Apparently, it was either heard by or reported to the LA Galaxy 2 bench. Again, I, I don't know. We I don't, I mean, it's hard to know if that's actually true, but that's what they're saying. In response to that, San Diego then announced that they were going to forfeit the point that they were awarded for their 1-1 draw with LA Galaxy 2. Um. So far, that has not been reflected on the table, so I'm not sure if that's if that has to go through like a review process or what. But that is yet to be reflected on the table and, on the USL website, and that's an important point. Yeah, and we'll talk about more about how important that point is, that result is, later on in the show. But um, that player has since been released by the LA, LA Galaxy too, so they are yeah. at least acknowledging that this happened. Mm-hmm. And they have taken the necessary repercussions yeah. for Serious that Serious action, yeah, absolutely. Now you may be saying, why is LA Galaxy 2, why, why did they not forfeit the point? Why did San Diego forfeit the point? The logic behind them forfeiting the point was the LA, or sorry, the San Diego coaching staff said, and front office said that, they would have walked off the field if they were aware that that language was used. So they're saying we would have forfeited the match anyway. So to show that we care more about this player yeah. and more about social justice than this point, which is, again, a massive point when we look at the table, and we'll go through that again later yeah. on the show, we're basically going to give away that point. Yeah, kind of like retroactively. Yeah, walking off the field. Yes. Exactly. Um, they have gotten, uh, I think rightfully so, a, a good amount of praise. And the LA Galaxy 2 player has you know obviously people are saying like what are you doing um you can find his name if you really want to go find his name i don't really think it's important um but he is a minor so keep that in mind it does that uh negate his wrong action excuse it in any way no no but he's a kid he is a kid so and hopefully he'll learn exactly that i think that's the point i think that's ellie galaxy's point with releasing him is hey you need to know that Mm -hmm. 
whether you're a professional athlete or not, this is unacceptable. Yeah. But because you are a professional athlete, we need to teach you how important your actions are yeah. and the things your that you say have consequences. Exactly. So uh, I think good on both clubs. Now I agree. There has been some talk about if the official did hear and didn't take action, that's very bad for the official. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that that is very bad for the official. Agreed. Honestly, um, it's not like officiating at this level is very good, <laughs> as we've seen. Yeah, in and weeks I'm not. Past. I'm not going to equate, you know, calling a penalty for or against the team that we cover yeah. as equaling. Uh, absolutely, using. Yeah. I mean terrible language mm -hmm. against a, someone that you're facing on the field and it, like it's nowhere near the same yeah. but it just goes to show that you know there's still work to be done growing officials so that they can better officiate the game and i think if you look at just some games across the league this season and then you take this into account you need to come to the conclusion that okay we need to uh, somehow, as, as a as a soccer federation, invest more in that. That's a side note, but this is important right now in the news because of the social reasons. We'll talk later about the less important statistical. Yeah, we'll talk later about the less important yeah, yeah soccer stuff. So that was the first thing. Sorry that that's kind of a downer. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there is some good news, Zach. Yes, oh, I I sit here. I sit here now, refreshing my my Fop Mob. It will give a little plug to Fop Mob. Fop Mob is the the app that we all use. It's a great app for soccer stuff. We do not have a brand deal with them, but you should definitely <laughs> download it. I feel like every podcast, every soccer podcast, like wishes they had a brand deal with Fop Mob. Yeah, that would oh, that'd be great. But so I'm I'm literally sitting here refreshing Barcelona's Fop Mob page, just waiting for Sarginho Des to become official. The word is uh, very loud today that he is flying the rumors very loud today that he's flying to barcelona um for a medical um and today at the latest tomorrow at the latest tomorrow uh barcelona will make it official they will be bringing on sarginho Dest to take over um hopefully for nelson Semedo, there's still sergi roberto there in that right back spot but he will, at the very least, be fighting for that right-back position. The deal, reportedly, $20 million with $5-plus million in incentives. Um, and so they're kind of finalizing that, ironing that out. Uh, but you, you, probably, you probably, upon hearing this, will then know Sarginho Dest is um, a Barcelona player, I will sit here and continue to refresh, yeah. and there may come a point in this podcast where we're talking about something, and I might just take a little break and go, hey, it's official. Dest is on Barcelona. Yeah, and uh, so similar to Reggie Cannon going to Boa Vista, there was some talk of like, okay, how are we actually buying him? Is it a loan? Is Leo buying him and we're loaning him? Yeah. Stuff like that. So Barcelona are still trying to figure out that detail. Um, the figure is reported again to be around 20 million ish 20 yeah. i've seen as high as 23 24 million euros yeah i don't know about dollar bills dollar but euros 30, I don't know. I, yeah i'm not ex exactly sure but it's, it's higher it's about that um it's a good amount of money for a right and back. and the other kind of little piece of drama with this is apparently dust had to yeah. choose between barcelona and bayern and bayern munich he has chosen barcelona i think probably because he has a better chance to play yeah um, and it's Barcelona. And yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to say that they played for Barcelona? Like, yeah. that's the type or of thing in Barcelona, Spain. That's the type of thing that's like, once that's on your resume, wherever you go after that, you're going to get paid more uh, because yeah. you were a Barcelona player. You were a Barcelona yep. first team player that they paid a significant transfer fee for. Yep. So I totally agree. Good for Dest there. Bayern is a little slighted because apparently, uh, Zach, you were telling they, me this earlier. There was there was some reports out. Um, that Bayern, because Bayern did put in a transfer fee a couple months ago, actually. They were they were there before Barcelona was even in the the picture, and their transfer uh, uh, deal was more money and all of it up front. Barcelona is less money and not all of it up front. So there are some reports that Bayern feel kind of slighted that. Uh, um, Ajax went with Barcelona and there's been some stuff because Ajax and Barcelona have a very close relationship. There's been lots of players that have gone from Ajax to Barcelona. So there's some reports that Bayern's a little slighted. 
I don't know if there's a whole lot of validity to it. I think that at the time, really, if I'm being honest, I think at the time when Bayern put an offer in, Ajax was trying to still see if there's a possibility if they could keep Dest. And there was a contract extension on the table for him. And then a couple of months later, it became pretty apparent, hey, Dest wants to leave. He wants to play at a big club. And that's when Barcelona came knocking and they went to Dest and said, okay, here's your options. And Dest obviously went with Barcelona for, I think, obvious reasons. So yeah, maybe Bayern's feeling a little slighted, but I I, I don't know the, the validity of that. And also, I don't blame him for going to Barcelona. Yeah, I don't blame him either. That I mean, it's a good move for him. Like we said, it'll Great affect move. the rest of his professional career. Uh, last little thing of the new segment and... We talked about this last week, but Weston McKinney started again yeah. uh-huh. for Juve, so maybe not a one-off. Like I was kind of thinking, maybe he's gonna have a chance to really win the spot. He did come out in like the 60th minute, yep. but yeah, I believe, uh, I I think uh, if Juve's red card would have happened a little bit earlier, I think Weston might have stayed in. So I don't know. Did you watch that game at all, Zach? I didn't. I didn't. I I, I just briefly kind of read up on it. So anyway, um. Good for him. Yeah, another Other, good start. Anything else you you want to talk about in the news, catch people up on? No, I think that's about it. I think we're going to go ahead and turn it over to Nolan. Nolan, take it away. Hey, guys, this is Nolan coming at you with my quick take for the week. Sacramento's 1-1 draw away to Reno on Saturday night means that Sacramento will almost certainly be heading out on the road for the first of their USL championship playoff matches. A sentiment that many Republic fans have been expressing on social media is, I'm over it. Sacramento is too deeply flawed and has not had enough time in a Mark Briggs system to, to sustain a deep playoff run. I just wanted to throw out a brief line of hope for fans who might be sharing this sense of, ine- of inevitable postseason doom. A few weeks ago, Sacramento made a signing that I think has flown too far under the radar. Frank Lopez was brought in on loan from the Oklahoma City Energy FC. This is a man who scored 13 and 14 USL championship goals in the 2018 and 2019 season. He fell out of favor in OKC and has come to Sacramento for the opportunity of more minutes and postseason glory. Watching his few minutes in Sacramento, it's clear that he needs more game time and touches in training before he's ready to step up and play the full 90 minutes. I think in the last two regular season games, he'll get his minutes and be ready to go for the playoffs. The reason I'm so optimistic about Frankie is that I think he offers something different in attack for Sacramento. His low center of gravity and stocky build makes him super difficult to knock off the ball, and he has the ability to angle his body to get off, get shots off in a way that a taller, lankier Derek Formella or Carlton Belmar, Belmar simply can't. Watching his highlights, you can see this difference. In a goal against Reno, in 2019, Frankie dribbled through Reno, Reno 1868's midfield, shrugged off a challenge by a Reno center back, and then at the last minute readjusted his hips to slot home at the near post. I think that his physical build and style of play makes him the USL equivalent of Sergio Aguero. Call me crazy, but fully fit, I think Frankie Lopez offers a really dynamic and different option in attack that can ultimately make the difference in a heated playoff matchup. Maybe we look back in a few weeks after Sack has dumped out of the playoffs and laugh at what I've just said. But hey, that's my bold prediction. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. All right. Thank you, Nolan, so much. We're going to go ahead and get into this. Well, before we get into a game review, you know, we've come, kind of come to the end of the season here. We have played Reno now four times. Scott, contrary to years past, we've seemed to really have their number this year. Yeah, so we were looking at just historically Sacramento versus Reno in league play. Okay, so we're not talking about Open Cup. Sacramento's had their number in Open Cup. We're not talking about playoffs. Sacramento's done well there. I mean, last season did well there. Mm -hmm. We're really talking about league play. Now, uh, this season, Sacramento has two wins and two draws for eight points against Reno. In fact, Reno is the only uh, Sacramento is the only team that Reno has not beaten. Yeah, it, it, have, dropped point, not just beaten, just dropped points. Yeah, they have not dropped a single point to anyone outside of Sacramento Republic. So that's significant for this season. And 
again, just going on with the stats, Sacramento has scored six and conceded four against Reno. So the goal differential is plus two. That's that's I think that's you know that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, the against, first three years against a very good team. Yeah. So it, put this into context. The first three years of Reno being in the league, so 2017, 18, and 19, Sacramento played them seven times. So three times their first year, and then two times the following years. And they only took four points in league play. Seven games, four points. This year, Sacramento has played Reno four times. Okay, so we know that that's because of COVID. So it's they played different. them four times. Pool play, yeah. But they took eight points. Yeah. So seven games, four points. Four games, eight points. Mm-hmm. So it's that's a significant uptick. Oh, okay? yeah. Uh, just, you know, points per game, whatever. So, Zach, mm-hmm. thinking specifically about two things. First, this season... And second, uh, just the history of Sacramento and Reno, mm-hmm. is this season result of the eight points against them significant? Yes or no? Yes, I think it is significant on both fronts. For both of those things, I think it's significant. I think it's significant given um, how we finished this year and, and significant given the history. So this year... We we were in this pool play, right? We're we're in this weird COVID unique unique season, um, where we find ourselves in a four team pool, and Reno's really the only good team in that pool. Tacoma's been better this year than than last year. They've been better. Um, I I still feel very confident that if this was a normal season, they would not make playoffs. Um, Important Timbers is the worst team in the league. So Reno presents themselves as the best team for us through the season and we have and we have played them very well and I think that's telling because they're really the only team that has um, challenged us and, and so for us to then step up to that challenge um, and and come away with eight points um, even though the last two two games were disappointing, is, is a big deal. I think that is definitely important. And then given the history, um, you know, Reno's always kind of had our number in the, in regulation, in the, in regular season play, Reno's always kind of had our number. And so for us to have a new coach come in, a new system come in, a new identity really caused problems for Reno. I think that's also um, very important and good to see. Yeah, so just really quickly, Portland definitely started as the worst team in the league, but they've had three wins in their last five games, which is nine points, which is what they have on the season. Number, you know, that's that's the first thing. Yeah. Number two, uh, in the Western Conference, Rio Grande Valley only has oh three yeah, that's points. right. They that's have three right. draws. So they're the second and worst no wins in the conference. In the I conference. forgot about Rio. And then because Loudon have now ended their season early, they had a Loudon United, the reserve team or the two team for DC United. They had a couple of players test positive for COVID. They didn't. I, I don't know if they came out and said that, but that you yeah. can kind of connect the dots. Um, and they looked at their remaining uh, three games and said, oh, "We're already eliminated. Yeah. We have players test positive for COVID. We're gonna have to reschedule We're just gonna matches. go play golf now. Yeah, it's gonna be super dense time. You know, game schedule and stuff. Let's just end the season. Yeah. So, Loudon will end the season with six points. So the good news for Rio Grande Valley is there's a chance <laughs> if you can get a couple of results with your so last game. There's a chance they can not be the worst team in the league. But right now, as it stands, Portland is not technically the worst team in the league. However, yeah, it was only They're still a, very bad. It was only like three or four weeks ago where they had no points. Yeah, they had no points. literally zero yeah. points, and then all of a sudden they yeah. started winning. They had a couple wins, so good on them. I I think my argument still remains the same. They're not a good team. Right. Tacoma is a little better. They're still not a good team. Reno is a very good team and offers us that challenge in the way that we've stepped up and played against them this year is important and significant, especially heading into playoffs. We may come to a point where we play them, you know? We, 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 where we play Reno in round two, you're saying, of yeah, the, of the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of waffle back and forth between this because, yes, I do think it is – somewhat significant for this season that your rival you can say we were undefeated yeah. against them that's a good thing right i, I don't think it's a good morale thing yeah i don't think you can say that's bad especially a fan thing as well i mean think back last year where we lost four to one at home 
to Reno, and then I think we lost like two zero or two to one away to Reno. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a good thing, but honestly, for Reno, I think they look at the table coming into the third game that we played. So the the three three draw we had, yeah, they look at the table and say, okay, we either need to win one of these games, one of these remaining two games with Sacramento, or draw them both. If we can do either of those, we have first place in the West, probably. So I think, yeah, Reno will be like, oh, yeah, we didn't, we were winless against our rival. But at the same time, they're first in the group. So they're going to say like, meh, like. We did what we needed to. Yeah, we did what we needed to to We came out, we accomplished our goal. We got first place in in the pool. And honestly, like, yes, Sacramento did play very well against Reno. Um. But those first two games, Sacramento were awarded two penalties to give them the goals for both of those games to finish 1-0. So if I'm Reno, I'm saying, okay, yeah, Sacramento maybe played us well, but it was a 92nd minute or whatever penalty for the first game. And then it was a like a, a first half penalty. Like Those games could have very easily been nil-nil draws. And now we're saying, oh, Sacramento has four draws against Reno this year. That's not bad but it's not good right and then the 3-3 draw at home for sacramento sacramento first of all they concede early but then they are able to go into halftime up two to one reno then pulls level to make it two two sacramento then goes up to make it three two and then in the dying seconds of the game dying minutes of the game Reno makes it 3-3, and they lost their minds because they knew that that was a massive result for them. Yeah, they fair. They knew yeah, that if absolutely. Sacramento wins that game, they Sacramento has a very good chance to take first. Yeah. That 3-3 was a massive, massive result. That's a, yeah, that's a great point. So then at home, now for this game, and this is kind of getting a little ahead of us, but Reno, I think, knew all they needed to do was get a draw. 0-0-1-1-2-2-3-3 didn't matter. If they get a draw, this sews it up. Now... Reno's also thinking if we get a win, I mean it's it's clearly over, right? Points wise, it's over. Yeah, so it's guaranteed. You clinched for first. Yeah, so like yes, it's, yeah, I get you. It's I get important you. for this season, but at the same time, all Reno has to do is say, look at the table. Like yeah, who cares? Fair. We're ahead of you. Yeah. Now uh, the last thing I have to say is for this the, the history of the rivalry, which I think it's it's now it's definitely to a point where I'm comfortable way more comfortable saying it's a rivalry, rivalry than just like, oh, well, year one, they're close, so rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, now we're... By obligation. <laughs> yeah. Now we're like four years in, there have been cheapy games. Yeah. We have history now. Yeah. Definitely a rivalry. Nobody's can dispute that, I think. Yeah. For the for the history of the rivalry, like, yes, undefeated in a season, doesn't matter if it's COVID, doesn't matter whatever, everyone's dealing with those uh, struggles all the same. Yeah, that's significant. And I think it's... It's good for uh, Briggs. It's good for Todd Donovan, the general manager. It's good for the club. It's good for uh, creating a narrative. It's good for uh, going into next season and saying, hey, Sacramento was undefeated against Reno. Can they do that again? Can Briggs and the boys do that again? And now Reno is going to be going into 2021 season saying, okay, we had a down year. We want to show Sacramento that that is just one down year. And now we're going to swing the table back to Reno during the regular season. So, yes, I think it is significant for that. Well said. Thank you. Um, and I, 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 no, no, no. Well okay. said. Okay. I think we've talked enough about that. Um, moving on, and, and as we now approach playoffs, um, as kind of set as things are in Group A with Sacramento, um, in all likelihood, Reno will take number one, Sacramento will take number two, Tacoma and Portland are out. Uh, the same cannot be said about Group B. <laughs> so just really quickly, like Zach said, in all likelihood, that's what will happen. Yes. I think Reno has to uh, Reno Reno has draw? to lose both lose games. Lose both games. And Sacramento has to win both games. And if that happens, Sacramento will have first. Right. However, Reno, like we said, has not dropped a single point to a team outside of 
Sacramento all season, and they are playing Vegas, who are not a good team, and and Tacoma, who have caused some mild problems for them in games in the past. But you have to think Reno wins. But you have to think Reno wins or at least gets one point out of either of those teams, which is all they have to do. The tiebreaker right now, I think there's been some conversation that maybe this season the tiebreaker might change, but we haven't heard anything official. The tiebreaker right now is wins. Yeah, Reno has 10 wins. Sacramento has 7. So... They if Reno gets on one point, and they beat us on gold, they beat us on every statistical category. Exactly. So <laughs> if Reno gets one point, that's it. They, we are in second. Yeah. So we'll know. We'll know Wednesday, Wednesday which yes. we'll talk more about how important Wednesday is. Yeah. Big day in a second. That is just a big USL day. Um, but yes, like I said, so as as kind of uh, almost not completely, but uh, almost cut and dry, uh, pretty much figured out. Group A is Group B is wide open. Uh, there are. Five total teams in that division or in that pool. Um, Phoenix has locked up a playoff spot. And then the three teams below them, LA Galaxy 2, San Diego Loyal, and Orange County in descending order, are all vying for a playoff spot. They all play each other on Wednesday. And um, as Scott alluded to about the San Diego Loyal um, decision to concede or, or forfeit that point, that is a big deal because right now, as Group B stands, Phoenix is up top, um, 14 games played, 29 points. LA Galaxy, 14 games played, 23 points. San Diego Loyal, 15 games played, also 23 points. And then Orange County, 14 games played, 21 points. So that one point that the Loyal are apparently forfeiting it is a big deal right now and could have significant ramifications for playoffs. Yeah, and it's significant because I remember reading the rule about forfeiting for the USL that if a team forfeits, uh, the it's a three zero, it's a three zero win for the opposing yeah. team, right? So that wouldn't just take away a point from San Diego; it would give two additional points to LA Galaxy 2 to make them at 25 points. And it would also up their goal differential plus another three goals, which uh, Zach has it in front of him. So he'll, he'll look at it in a second. But as of right now, the table has not changed. The table still says that both those teams have drew and it's reflecting yeah. in the points that way. And I, I, I could imagine that there are some talks being had with the San Diego Loyal Club and USL um, the league office the league office about what that point means and um you know me and scott were talking about well hey that player was that player was fired okay so that player um there were serious consequences to what he had done so and i imagine that's probably in the talks right now between the loyals and the the league office possibly la galaxy um so that's definitely something to be continuing to look at um, on this table, continuing to as the next really the next couple days unfold, if that point comes off, if three points come on, you know what I mean. Like um, so far, it hasn't happened, but definitely interesting and definitely something to keep up on. So just real quick, let's say that that three zero win due to forfeiture is yeah. awarded to the LA Galaxy too. What is their goal differential now compared to San Diego? That would be um, the goal differential for LA Galaxy right now is negative two. Oh boy. San Diego Loyal is positive two. Okay. So it would then put LA Galaxy at. So it would give them a goal above. It would give them a goal above. Did San Diego score in that game though? I mean, it was one one. So so it would goal differential. It's equal. It would. Yeah. 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 So then, what what it what about? Let's look at the table for um. Wins. What does LA have for wins? LA have seven wins and San Diego have six. Okay. So hypothetically, if the Galaxy uh, are awarded a win, that puts them at eight wins and takes away a draw. So there's no way then that San Diego yeah. could yeah. have a tiebreaker because of wins. They're out by they conceding would. that for forfeiting that game, then they're out. Yeah, and I imagine they would that mathematically these, be these are talks that are being had right now with the San Diego Loyals and the and the USL. Office. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, the wins is the tiebreaker. Well, so if LA Galaxy two are at 25 points because of a win, and San Diego are at 22, 
San Diego only have one more game to play, so the max points they could get is uh, 25, but you're, you would then go to the tiebreaker, which we just said is wins, and LA would have eight wins compared to San Diego's seven. So that would rule them out of the playoffs. So this is a massive decision that the yeah. league has to decide, and I guess San Diego has to decide as well. Yeah. So we will be following that, and yes. you, you know, if, if something happens, we'll put that on our social media. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think to kind of end talking about this too, is, you know, kind of outside of soccer, with all this being said, this makes for a very serious protest. That that forfeiting of that game makes for a very serious protest, and I'm sure that's also on the San Diego loyal office's mind right. um, as well. Right. So, so we will keep up on that for you. But if this does happen, it does not only eliminate San Diego from the playoff picture, but it gives LA Galaxy 2 a little glimmer of life that they could possibly win the group and this is how it would play out so like we said phoenix 14 games played 29 points i think they have 10 wins is that right um phoenix yeah phoenix nine wins nine wins sorry okay so 14 yeah 14 so nine two and three phoenix most likely will win the group but if phoenix lose one and draw one of their final two matches and la galaxy 2 are given the victory over san diego and la galaxy 2 wins both of their last two games. Yep. <laughs> Hypothetically, it is it is possible if all of that happens that LA Galaxy 2 based on points could win the group. Yes. And, and you may be saying to yourself, "Okay, Zach and Nolan, you've given me a million statistics to think about right now." Well, that's the place that we find ourselves. This is what happens at the end of the season. You got a couple games left. Things are close. There's a lot of different things that can happen. Um some of them improbable but not impossible. Uh, so how this is all going to get figured out when all this is going to get figured out is on Wednesday night. Wednesday night is a huge night for just the USL in general. Um, Wednesday, the, the 30th, September 30th, uh, at 7 PM, LA galaxy Two host OC two teams that are vying for that playoff spot, uh, basically for second place in group B. And uh, just real quick, Orange County, 14 games played, 21 points. So yes. they're right there. Yep, they're right there. Um, and then also Phoenix will play San Diego Loyal Wednesday at 7 p.m. as well. And again, that's San Diego's last game of the season. Yes. So they're done for like a week and a half. And then they'll watch this this coming weekend to see how everything unfolds. Um, that game is also happening. Reno also plays Tacoma at 6.30 on Wednesday night. They play Vegas. W- Vegas. And Sacramento plays Tacoma um, at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. So Wednesday night is where really we're going to see all this kind of unfold. All these statistics, all these possibilities, all these improbabilities. Right. Is Wednesday is the day that we'll see all this unfold. Me and Scott will be in my living room with <laughs> four TVs watching all of them at once. Yep. It'll be glorious. Yep. Now, the, again, the only wild card is after Wednesday, the league could come in and change the draw with uh, LA and San Diego. Yeah. So that's the only thing that might not be decided. Outside of that, the group is pretty much going to be sewn up here. Uh, group A or Group A is done basically, but Group B is pretty much going to be sewn up here. And why is all this significant? Well, in the scenario that we painted, where LA gets the win and they win out, and San Diego or sorry, Phoenix loses and draws. That would mean that Sacramento, being second in Group A, would go to the winner of Group B, which could hypothetically, uh, less than 1% chance, be the LA Galaxy 2. And we would play them in the first round of the playoffs, which means that Phoenix would have to go to Reno for round one of the playoffs, where they have already lost this year. Phoenix already went to Reno and lost 2-1. to one. Yeah. So it's that's significant. If what is more likely to play out plays out where Phoenix wins, and LA Galaxy or Orange County or San Diego or second, Sacramento would have to go down there. So Sacramento probably is going to Southern California for the first round of the playoffs. Yep. But we will Sounds know right. we will know more precisely who that is yeah. Thursday morning. Yes, we will. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so, all right. So that is where the tables fall. That is where we find ourselves statistically. Now, let's finally end today with a little game review of the fourth time we've played Reno yeah. this season. 
Um, Scott, would you go ahead and give us the lineup? Yeah, so first of all, uh, you already probably know at this point it was a 1-1 draw. Uh, goals scored by um, Brent Richards for Reno in the 43rd, yep. 44th minute. Old man fullback. Um, and then a goal scored by old man Deco Keenan. <laughs> Deco smash. Yeah, this was a 30, 30 and over league game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for real. Goal scored by Deco Keenan in the, I think it was the 55th yep. or the 50th minute, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, and we can talk more about those goals in a second. But here is the lineup for Sacramento. Diaz in goal. Back in net. So Brady Scott on the bench. It was just the one game for him, I guess. Uh, Barahona <laughs> left back. Keenan and Mahone. Sorry, Keenan and Hilliard Arce are your starting center backs. We'll talk about that. And McCrary at right back. Villarreal and Andrew Wheeler Amanu. Makes his return, mm-hmm. which uh, is a uh, talking point. <laughs> yeah. Um, are your two deeper-lying midfielders with Roro playing the 10. Roro uh-huh. back in the lineup as well. And at the 10. Yep. Formella on the left wing. Werner on the right wing. Belmar up top. Still no Cameron Awasa in the starting lineup. Not really a surprise there. At this point, no. Uh, your substitutes, Mahoney comes in for Keenan in the 72nd, as well as Cam comes in for Roro in the 72nd. Uh, Bijev at halftime for yeah. Werner. And uh, Frank Lopez comes in for Belmar in the 80th. Uh, the players on the bench were Ash and Brady Scott. A name that you maybe are used to seeing in the starting lineup that was not in the starting lineup due to injury picked up uh, in the game warm-up was Drew Skundrick. Uh, picked up a knock, couldn't go. So it was Andrew wheeler Amenu that played in his stead. Yep. Um, and then the other name that you're yeah. used to seeing in the lineup is Hayden Sargis, yeah, the yeah. 18-year-old center back. Not uh, even in the 18. Not even in the 18. Not Didn't listed the trip. on the injury report. Yeah. Which very we, peculiar. We asked around and we weren't able to hear anything back about what that was all about. Yeah. So we'll hopefully find out more and let you know soon. Uh, yeah, pretty soon. Um, so, Zach, do you want to talk about anything with the lineup before we move into the gameplay? Um, well, I think, yeah, I, to see Hilliard Arce and Deco Keenan um, back there was interesting. They they didn't play horribly. Um, and, and we can get into that. I, I think... Roro at the at the ten, the attacking midfielder spot. We talked about this last week um, about his ability to play that spot, about why he hasn't played or at least started play, um, started games at that spot. Um, so it was interesting to see him at the ten um, in that attacking midfield role. Um, so and and also f- I, I think as well, just 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 talking on the lineup, it was good to see Diaz back in that. Um, and to see it was just, from the sound of it, just a contractual obligation to play Brady Scott um, and maybe a little rest for Rafa. Um, so, yeah, th- I think those are the kind of the biggest highlights for the lineup for me. What about you? Uh, yeah, I think, obviously, it's just Sargis. I'm really interested to see what the deal is. Yeah. Why why was he not at least in the 18 or yeah. something? So, um, And then just the last thing, um, those young kids that we're used to seeing, uh, Waregi, yeah, true. Juju Chavez, Panagos. I mean, we're not used to seeing, but that we want to see. Uh, none yeah. of them were in there, so I don't know if that's you know. Hey, it's a big trip. We need guys we can rely on. Mm-hmm. We're gonna leave them home, or maybe they didn't finish their homework. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a contractual obligation with Keenan or Hilliard Arce. It could I, be. I, I don't know. Um, so interesting decision there i would love to see them before the season ends one of these last two games uh which we'll just touch on tacoma um at the end of this but yeah that's the probably the only other thing but how do you think the game <laughs> went uh one word sloppy <laughs> sloppy 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 i mean it's a good team and we draw so it's not horrible but the the one like the one statistic I'd say that really stuck out to me as I sit here and pull this up real quick, the one statistic that really stood out to me was the past success rate amongst the really the whole team. Um, it's very low. Uh, Jaime Villarreal, a player that we've given a lot of praise to in, in, as of recently, the foundation of his play is make a simple pass. We've talked about this. Um, and to do it well and to play well in space – 
uh, byproduct of that is you have a high pass success rate. He usually hovers in the 80s. This game, Jaime started the whole game, or started the game, played the whole game. He played okay, um, but this he his pass success rate was 69%. Sub 70, that is really low for him. And it was a statistic that found itself across the board. Sam Warner gets pulled at halftime, had a 68% success rate. Juan Barahona, who I thought actually had a a decent game, created three shots, but also had a 62% success rate. It was a a statistic that, that found itself kind of similar through all players. Formella, same thing, 70%. It was a sloppy game, and we were, we we found it tough to sustain possession because we weren't able to make those passes. Yeah, a lot of a lot of winning the ball back, which is very good. Which yeah. uh, again, if we want to talk about stats, Sacramento had more aerial duels won, more tackles won, more more duels won. They they were winning the ball. Yeah, they were winning those second chances that we always hear Briggs on the sideline yell about. And uh, just to really quickly touch on Barahona, I thought he played very well. He had the assist for Deco Keenan's yep. goal. Uh, it was a corner. Um, Deco- he, he took all our corners. Yep. He took all our set pieces. Yep. Uh, he had a shot on goal because of a uh, free kick that went pretty much right at the keeper. But yeah. uh, another name that wasn't in the lineup that I was, I'm kind of surprised about is Shannon Gomez. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. True. I, I don't know. Um, I know. So, and Juan also, again... <laughs> Played the whole game. Yeah, just magically. <laughs> He's not is supposed match to be fit. like playing yet. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. So kudos to him. So uh, again, the note we have down here is the highlights start at the forty-third minute with Reno's goal. Yeah, because it was just kind of back and forth. I mean, yeah, we weren't really the only sloppy team. Reno was also kind of sloppy, especially in that first half. But I, I almost feel like that was what they wanted. I think they wanted a sloppy game. I think they didn't want Sacramento to get into a rhythm. I think Reno's game plan was. If we can just make it difficult, um, we don't have to score in the first five minutes. If we can just make it difficult and get a goal on a counter or a, f- a fluke, again, n- no clearance in the box type of thing where Sacramento just makes a mistake, forgets to mark, it's caught in transition type of goal, we can just make things difficult and just know that the likelihood of Sacramento scoring two is pretty low. Again, if you take away the two penalty goals in the first two matches between Reno and Sacramento, Sacramento's only scored three goals against Tacoma, or sorry, against Reno. Um, and am I mistaken that one of the goals for Sacramento against Reno was a penalty, or was that Tacoma? One of the, say it again. One of the goals that Sacramento scored against Reno in that three-three draw. Was yeah, that was a penalty? One was of it, them was. Was that Belmar? Was it the second one? No, that was Tacoma. That had to be Tacoma. I'm gonna look it up. Okay, okay. But Zach, um, what do you what did you think about the the sloppy play and the the pass percentage? Just like what is the like what's the takeaway there? Like you've talked about the stats, you've mm-hmm. talked about your observation. What's the takeaway? Well, I feel like that is the takeaway. I feel like the this the the low pass success rate is a representation of the sloppiness that went into. And that is the reflection of the game. Like we were not able to make that simple pass. We were our ability to, um, especially for players like Jaime and Andrew Wheeler, Aminu, who just came back, has been away for a while. Wasn't supposed to get this start. Drew gets the knock, but he was also very sloppy is in order to produce goals. We have to have, sustain pressure and we have to put together good passes and that didn't happen so i think that in itself the 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 sloppiness of the passes was the takeaway and was a major point of like a major you know um kind of failure of this game for sacramento um but they still which is interesting because <laughs> thomas hilliard arce duckle keenan at center back we played well defensively we didn't play bad defensively. There was there was really only that one, that one really good kind of header into the box by Francois um, to to produce that goal. We we, we played okay defensively, um, but it, it it I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it really did kind of feel like the beginning of the season. It kind of had that feel again of, of 
we're kind of sloppy. We're not able to really, we, we feel a little stagnant in the final third. Kind of felt like, you know, a throwback to the beginning of the season. Yeah, I I was, that's exactly what I was going to say. It was like, this just feels like kind of the narrative for the season, whether it's conceding in the first five minutes or, uh, you, you know, not being able to clear balls or defensive lapses or not being able to finish. I don't know if sloppy is the word. It's definitely the word for this game. Like not being yeah, okay, able to that's fair. Passes, that's fair. Yeah, but um, for the season, yeah, it's just we're we're lacking that final thing. Yeah, whatever that thing is for that game or that season, that 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 uh, that group of games, whatever it is, whether it's finishing or whatever, all the things that we've talked about, it it again shows up in this game. And in this game, it's something that we haven't seen yet, which is passing. Uh, you know. It's it's now like, okay, now we have to worry about, are we going to complete passes? You know, we've been worrying about finishing. We've been worrying uh, about uh, um, conceding early. Uh, we've been worried uh, about who's going to play forward. We've been worried about who's going to play the 10. All of these things. Yeah. Now we have to worry about where's Sargis. Now we have to worry about, are we going to complete passes? Now we have to worry about, is <laughs> how, our captain, Drew Scundrick, going to be healthy? Yeah. Uh, That's a good point. And, and I'm looking here at Twitter. And the uh, the USL puts out their you know like their top whatever ranks uh, you know of, of clubs every week top ten or fifteen whatever it is I don't ever look at it but Sacramento this week is listed at number ten and I'm sorry like that just that just feels too high for me and I'm looking at you know comments on Twitter and people are like really at ten um, that's your power you have Sacramento at number ten in your power ranking like I th- I just don't think Sacramento if Sacramento could pull it all together, right? If you could complete the package where, yeah, you know, we're humming, we're, we're playing really well. I could see that where it's like, okay, yeah, Sacramento's a top ten team, of course. But right I'm now, top five team, yeah. But right now, I mean, no, I don't. I just don't see it. Yeah, like, that's that's fair. Like, there's just so many question marks in my head. So no, I got you. And yeah, and that that really is the the bigger kind of meta narrative takeaway of what we saw in this game and, and how this game affects. Um, the team going into playoffs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I yeah I agree with you. Those so are, those are important. So really quickly, let's just walk through the two goals. Sacramento concedes again in the forty third minute. Uh, a ball goes out wide right to Brent Richards, who crosses it in. Um, or sorry, dribbles in, plays it off to um Corey Herzog, who's in the box. Corey Herzog then turns from his back to goal, turns and chips a ball toward the Francois. far post. Um, Francois heads it down, and Brent Richard had continued his movement from the outside in and uh, is able to... Tap it in. Just, yeah, head it in, head it home. And just not great communication across the back line, not great communication across the midfield. Both Barahona and Formella had a shot to get the ball away from Brent Richards uh, at the beginning of this movement. They failed. Um, then... Uh, McCrary is marking someone and there's two guys behind him and you can yell him yell uh, shift or mark or or something like that and nobody's there I, maybe that's why Sam Warner gets pulled at half is because he's nowhere in the frame when Formel is all the way back but Sam's not so yeah. and he um, couldn't pull, couldn't complete a pass in the first half <laughs> yeah so um, maybe that's why he gets pulled at, at, at half but either way there's there's a breakdown there that leads to Sacramento's yeah. goal. And again, not Rafa's fault. I mean, when a guy's heading a ball within your six yard box, uh, I mean, there's not much a keeper can do usually there. So then for the corner, I mean, Deckel just loses his man and is able to be a man and get his, <laughs> yeah. get his uh, balding head on that ball <laughs> for a Deckel smash. And it's a good placement with oh, decent yeah. power. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and good. And a great, a great cross in from the corner. Yeah, from Barahona. I forgot how well Barahona can serve a ball. Yeah, whether it's on the ground, in the air, I from know, a corner, I know. We were saying piece. this last week too. Is like he's so good, and it's, it's he's a international player. Yeah, like it, it, it's so nice to have him. He offers us so much. Like if you go on social media, people from El Salvador follow Juan Barahona because he's in the player pool for the El Salvadorian national team. I think he's really showing it. It's 
it's he's not still just relatively young. It's not just unfortunate that he got injured this year. It's unfortunate also because of COVID. Because I think he probably, if plays, if he plays well, maybe gets another call into the Salvadorian national yeah. team. I don't know. So those are the two goals. Anything else you want to add from this game, Zach? No, I think I think your takeaways um, from this game heading into playoffs, the kind of big narrative stuff are really what we can take away from this podcast. I And I'm surprised I'm about to say this, but another takeaway I have is I kind of like Deco Keenan for the rest of the season. Like, You're playing with fire. I know, but like... Very he, slow fire. He won a good amount of duels. He's I, good I, in the air. You're not wrong. Like, if there's one thing Sargis isn't good at, assuming he's back next week, it's in the air. He's six foot. And we've flat. seen Mahoney can't do that very well, which leads to goals. Yeah. And... Uh, for Hilliard whatever Arce reason, in his hips. Yeah, Hilliard Arce wasn't in the lineup for good reason. So yeah, I maybe think Deco Keenan is just the, the best, best option. Yeah, center so. back on a roster. I hate that you're right, but you're right. I don't know if I am though. Like I think he... I think. Oh well, I don't think it's Mahoney. We've seen it. We talked about it. He is the 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 utility player that does everything but does nothing great. Um, dare say I even say good. Yeah. Um, and I, Thomas Hilliard Arce is just fr- frustrating. He's so slow, and he's just he's just slow mentally. He's slow um, to the ball. It's just I, I think looking at the four center backs that we have. Yeah, <laughs> Keenan is the second best option. So I don't yeah. I don't disagree with you. So heading into Tacoma. I think the lineup, I mean, maybe will be the, I, I don't know. Hopefully I don't, Drew's it, back. I can't. Hopefully Sarge's back. Exactly. Like, who knows? Well, hopefully yeah, we'll this find point. out uh, throughout the week. Maybe this, maybe Sarge just gets a rest because he's going to play these two games. Yeah. And maybe that's why Sam Warner came out at half is because you're going to play him for the full 90 on Wednesday. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. So we'll find out hopefully about these lineup changes throughout the week and let you guys know on social media. And we will be back next week to break down this Tacoma game. Um, Zach, there's Tacoma Wednesday. Then we're off on Saturday, correct? No. No, we 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 end. We end with. We end this Saturday. We end this Saturday. Saturday, October 3rd at 730. We play Portland. That's correct. Our last game of the season at home. At home. So Papa's Murphy's. So we will be back next week with both of those game yes. reviews with also uh who we're gonna play yeah uh, uh, yeah finalize uh, a finalized round of 16 uh so that's what you can look forward to i don't think we need to talk about tacoma and now nah, we talked about it enough yeah if you again you can go back and like listen to those uh episodes other than that i think we're gonna get out of here uh it's a little warm in this room because yeah. it's a little warm today <laughs> so as always glory glory sacramento, sacramento.